The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions, a crossover edition of Talk of Champions. With rebelgrove.com, the Oxford Exxon podcast. My buddy Chase Barham. Can you believe it? It's zany, right? Chase has been a friend for a decade. And we decided to get together to do an Ole Miss baseball podcast. And what you're about to listen in on is a conversation he and I would probably have on any given day at Swayze Field, just sitting there, hanging out. No editing at all. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll do it again. Actually, I was going to have Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach, as the guest on today's podcast. I'm saving that interview for tomorrow. I tell you that because I talk about early on how Ronnie Hamilton's coming up and he never comes, but he'll be on the podcast on Wednesday. And so will Bradley Sal back as the co-host of this podcast. But before we jump to it, let's hear from BNA Bank, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions and the Oxford Exxon podcast. 
which is the weirdest intro to a show ever. And the only way this could come together is if it was me and Chase Parham. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, Ben, how are you? Yeah, I know. We were uh, we, we were kind of shooting the, the crap for a second before we got started. I didn't know how you were going to intro this thing in, and it, yeah. it, it took me back a little bit. Ben was my very first uh, foray into radio, a really bad baseball show on, uh, on on Rebel Radio, the student organization, back, oh, God, 2005, six something like that. I was terrible. He was he was leading me along like a puppy, and it does. It, it feels like those days yeah. a little bit. It, it feels like we're a decade and a half ago. It's uh, We just need Ty Olaszewski with us, you know, to just kind of intersect you and me totally talking about nothing, because that's pretty much what it was. I, I just wish that, like, the first iteration of this had been Neil and Yancey. That'd have been way more fun. Neil comes in doing his um, "Welcome to the Oxford Exxon podcast." Yancey Porter, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, man, what's up? See, that would have been way more fun for people because you and I are just gonna bullshit about baseball. Yeah, it's uh, it, 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 we don't have to. We can do quite whatever you want to. I got nothing but time. We're all snowed in today. I assume you're snowed in too. Yeah, I'm over here in New Albany. It's the exact same. And Emily and the girls wanted to go outside and sled and stuff, but this isn't snow. This is ice. There's nothing well, fun about ice. You're hitting on it because Carly Ann saw some kids sledding in the neighborhood. And I said, okay, let me try to make shift a sled out of something. And we ended up like with a laundry basket and it just doesn't work. No. Like I do not have anything to create a sled out of with me. Like I, I felt like I was Tim Taylor trying to rig something together and I suck at it. I mean, you know, you, you know, I have no ability in those areas anyway. And I feel like a really crappy dad right now. I had, I had very little way to get her down the hill whatsoever. See, I don't even feel bad because you know my buddy Witt. He lives a door or two down from me, and he's got a four-wheeler, so he comes over, and he just basically fills in. He gets his kids, my kids, and they go sledding, and I just hang out, do some stupid baseball stuff because we talked to Bianco on Monday. And, uh, yeah, I didn't even go outside because it's not snow. You can't build a snowman out of ice. We're trapped for 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah, you remember the 94 ice storm, right? Yeah, I was I guess I was 10 or 11 years old. I don't I don't have like a really good recollection, but I remember little flashes. And I want to say in Amory, we were out of power for maybe a week. Mm -hmm. Like I remember going to maybe my grandparents and just hanging out and and eating whatever and not having an inability to uh, to to get power for around a week, something like that. Yeah. And my cousin, he had chicken pox and they were staying with us for the ice storm. That's what I remember. So this ice storm, this is a breeze, man. We still got internet and everything. I guess to talk to Chase for the first time in eight years for a podcast. It's kind of weird. The last time we were actually talking on a podcast was when we were doing a show about television shows. Do you remember the last television show we broke down? Okay, let me think. Uh, I will take a guess. I don't know. I don't know the answer here, but my guess is going to be the Wonder Years. Ah, it's close. It's How I Met Your Mother. Okay. All right. Good enough. All right. Yeah, and it was a good one to end on because you and I totally feel we feel different. We're not about going to do a television show today. I get that. Yeah. But have I told you that I completely have changed my mind and I really like mm -hmm. the finale of How I Met Your Mother now? Yeah, and that's why I'm glad we stopped doing that show because that's unforgivable to me. That's unforgivable. You haven't watched. Oh my God! I mean, honest to Christ, what was the whole point of the last season? Seriously, seriously, it was built around the wedding, and then turns out Robin and Barney's wedding didn't even matter. Yeah, it did matter. That's the only way they got to they, the, the mother met Ted and got divorced and she died. Yeah. Well, life sucks sometimes. That was the point. <laughs> That's true. But still, oh, that yeah, no, real. Life if sucks. we were still doing that show, 
What okay. television show would we be doing now? Uh, you'd be doing Netflix series. We'd be doing like The Flight Attendant or Queen's Gambit or something like that. Yeah, probably. Have you, have you watched Lupin yet? I have not. Yeah. That's what I'm Is on. Is my kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You dig that. You dig that. Okay. I've yeah. been on a television kick where I'm just effectively sitting on my ass all day just watching television. I have nothing else to do outside of this boring work that we sometimes have to do. Otherwise, I'm doing nothing. I am trying to do this whole diet thing and Peloton thing. I'm terrible with the Peloton. I heard you're doing like P90X. I'm on day 63 of P90X. Whoa! Yeah. Can you tell a difference? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can actually. Like, I, I, I don't know if I look like it or not, but yeah, clothes, just overall strength. I mean, I, I really, I really can. I've, I've cleaned up my diet. I've done this. It's been most people did it at the beginning of the pandemic. And what mine was was twofold. And I've done this several years, and nobody cares about this, but I'll tell the 30-second version anyway, is that you, you know me here. You know I can't not grab the cookies. I gain weight during baseball season. It's what I do. We sit in these press boxes. Yep. I gain weight during baseball season. And then when you got that coming on the heels of the holidays, I said, nope, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm going to make sure before the holidays even I jump on this, I go through it, I really commit to it and see if I can get some routine changed. So I started P90X in like November or the first part of December or whatever it was. And because of that, it kind of led into the holidays. I didn't lose it. I was able to see some changes before Christmas got here. So I didn't eat my way through Christmas. And then now I feel feel like I've kind of made a, a, a lifestyle change, if you want to use quotes and make fun of me, as, as baseball gets here. So, no, it's been it's been good. See, I just went back to keto again. I'll say it now because I'm, I'm not embarrassed because the weight's gone. But I started this at 231 pounds. This is the biggest I've been since high school senior year and that was back when i was actually working out so this was just all fat so i just did keto and peloton and i'm down to 215 i'm trying to get down to 190 but i could tell on the zoom calls you look thinner in the face not that you were ever fat or anything i actually got a text from an old miss sid that said hey ben not that you were ever fat or anything yeah yeah that's what you meant it's okay it's okay hey fat ass you look a little oh, that's skinnier a terrible backhanded compliment. yeah not that you're a fat or anything but you look thinner in the face thanks man yeah i was a fat ass i get it it's actually more of a motivator when somebody tells you you are fat. There is something to public criticism snapping yeah. you into sh People criticizing you and publicly calling you out on your stuff, most people would say that's not a constructive way, especially for someone like me who deals with mental stuff. But for me, it worked. It got me up. It got me doing something. But I'll tell you this. It's Girl Scout cookie season, and Gracie's a Girl Scout. And oh my God, dude, our house is filled with leftover cookies. All of them, Samoas. This is torture. We have three boxes, and I don't think any of them have even been opened. I think they're just sitting in the pantry unopened. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's the worst thing ever. But I figured out a way to like make my way through it, so it's whatever. Basically, my motivation was that, and also I thought we would be back together for baseball season. Honest to God, I thought we would be back in the baseball press box. Maybe that was just me being optimistic. Obviously it was because we're not going to ever be in a press box. But I didn't want to walk in there walk down to the field and be the fat kid anymore. Cause you, you got oh. your little, you got your little segment over there, your little section. I know you talk about how you gain weight and stuff, but you got like your little section, the left side of the press box and you've always sat there and you always will sit there. It's like reserved for you. It's not fair. It's the best spot in the whole press box, but it's reserved for you. And you, you, you think I got the best spot, in the press box. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's not even debatable. Think about it, man. Your spot is effectively like a little carved out, cubicle space and everyone I get that corner to put all my crap in yeah and everybody makes their room for you which is totally fine 
I do laugh. Bet it like when the new DM kids and people come in and they like just venture to the other side, like like yeah. like I'm gonna bite them or something. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing when when I was thinking about putting together a baseball preview show, which is what this is going to be once we actually get we'll to get it, <laughs> we'll get there. I haven't talked to Chase in so long, but the, my favorite baseball story, it, it, the press box dynamic, is what makes it so fun. It's my favorite sport. I used to hate covering almost baseball, but now it's my favorite sport to cover. It's not even close. And uh, one of the funniest things is, is you and Neil have a great hiring process for inter- interns. I'll just put it that way, okay? And you brought one of your interns in. She was very sweet little naive and you and I are very different as far as how we uh, act towards new people. You're very professional and uh, nice and you try to guide them along. I kind of baptize them by fire. I'm obnoxious. I acknowledge that that's not the best way to endear yourself to someone. And that girl, after one experience between you and me, we've never seen her again. She's been gone. I I legitimately felt badly for her. You, You traumatized I didn't even do anything. She just wanted to talk about a very sensitive subject. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think she'd ever heard anybody go the other way with that subject. Think about one of the most hot-button topics in this country, people that are listening to this. And that's yeah. what we talked about. And, yeah, I just, I just kind of, you know, pushed up against it. And Paris sat over there and didn't say anything. And then, of course, my favorite other press box stories when Dan Wilkie said that uh, he was attracted to Dame Judy Ditch. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I got him in I reserve, forgot. man. That's <laughs> my favorite thing. We used to have so many people. Now now it's just you and me and sometimes Nick. and We've Paris gotten and, old, and we've actually stuck in our jobs. Everybody else has moved away. Yeah, I, I told Nick the first time I met him, I said, look, man, I'm not going to get used to you because you're going to be gone in like three months. But he's still here. That's good. They're getting younger. We've become old. That's what I'm saying. We started doing this stuff together. Back in 2000 and, like you said, six, whatever it was. And here we are. Now, I like my job. The money's good. The freedom's good. It's all great. But to still see people come and go in these other spots, you and I are just staying in the same space (laughs) while everyone around us is coming and going. You do make a good point. I I, I am hesitant to really get to know any of them. Yeah. I don't have time for friends anymore. To where I feel like, oh, you're going to be here a while. Like, let's be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh Kellenberger's gone. Brant's gone to Arizona. VZ's, he went into politics and now he's doing something else. All these people leave. But it's always you and me. For better or for worse, it's me and Chase Barn. Um, I got Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach, coming up in this version of Talk of Champions for the Oxford Exxon podcast. I don't know what Chase is going to do with this. But it's fun nonetheless. Basically, we wanted to sit down and talk about some Ole Miss baseball. And the first thing, because you're the expert, look. So, so, so I couldn't carry a show? You had to bring on the basketball coach to, to go with it? Well, I actually, I didn't even know that. I thought this was going to be its own separate show. And then uh, Bradley Sal, who co-hosts my show with me, he had some scheduling conflicts because of the weather. I think it's more Brad was just having fun with his family out in the ice snow that, for my money, I would never have fun in doing. But, um, yeah, I decided to combine them. It was going to be Ronnie with Brad, but, and Chase was going to be the second show. But then you kept moving it up. And uh, I told you, I'm good with it. So now you and Ronnie Hamilton are going to carry the show. It's going to be great. Okay. I'm just going to throw stuff to you. Because here's the thing. Chase has always been the baseball guy. Okay? I cover almost baseball, do my best. But no matter what I do, Chase could honestly write nonsense. And there are some who would say, Chase Parham, that was the greatest thing baseball-wise I've ever read. You're the reason why. I care about Ole Miss baseball. 
I don't know what it is. It's like Chuck sometimes. I told Chuck, when he writes a column, it can be the most garbage column ever, but there will be someone on our board that say, oh, Chuck, that was the best column. Yeah, hotty toddy, man. That was the best, you know. I don't know what you've done. You've gotten people in a trance. But anyway, I accept that. No matter what I do, I've been on this beat now, back on this beat for what, four years now? Oh, my God. This has gotten bad, man. We are getting really old with this. This is bad. I feel like being I part of it that I'm in my let me get this right. I'm in my sixteenth season covering Ole Miss baseball. Oh my God. Somebody who is thirty years old literally grew up reading my writing on Ole Miss baseball since they were in junior high. Dude, you've become Jeff. You're Jeff. Our friend Jeff Robertson. Just admit it. 16 Always years. I, I am in this business because of Jeff Robertson, so I'll never say a bad word about him. Oh, Jeff. I love him to death. I love him to death. Also, because of Jeff, I'm in this business. Also, because of you, I had to go to New Orleans for six months. So, you know. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know that, I, I took a job at the Oxford Eagle for mm -hmm. one day. One day. And, and that one day caused Ben to not be able to move to Oxford for about another year and a half. Yeah. And then you decided to go create your own venture that I'm sure you don't want to go back down into. And I came with the spirit. That but, went well, really. I, I'm, 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 I'm proud of that, that part of my professional life. I'll never forget, though, how mad at me Ty got whenever we started using video on the spirit, too. That was y'all's thing. Y'all would sit in front of like a wall dressed up to the nines. No, it was on the green couch. They're on YouTube somewhere. Are they still there? You remember you and I found one last year during baseball season. <laughs> it, it takes a minute, but you can find them. Uh, okay. Will this weekend actually happen when Ole Miss is supposed to open its season with TCU, three top ten teams, TCU up first? Do you think it'll actually happen? Will they get there? I think so because Mike acted like it would happen. Because here's the deal. Um, unlike later in the year, since it's the first weekend, there's nothing really going on at that park yet. Um, so because of that, they've got some flexibility. Like I remember in 2000 – I'm not going to do one of these, hey, I remember on every question. But in 2007, Ole Miss went to Minneapolis and played in the Dairy Queen Classic up there. And uh, the Citadel couldn't get there. So because of that, they played like Arkansas on Friday and they played a double header against Minnesota the next day. There was very little flexibility. I mean, Mike said on, on Monday that they could even do this thing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They can move it a day. And I, I talked to a couple people in Dallas on, uh, on, on Monday morning who said that it's pretty rough right now, but it's going to get a lot better on Thursday afternoon. I think worst case, Ole Miss can't fly out until Friday. I think that's worst case. And if you do that, maybe it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Maybe there's a doubleheader one day. But they're, they're trying to be flexible. They're trying to get it in. Um, I know Ole Miss has the ability to fly out of Tupelo or Memphis, whichever one is, is handier for them or more doable from a safety standpoint. So it sounds like all the bases are kind of covered. I expect all six teams to get to Arlington and – before the end of the night on Monday, all all nine games be played. I think Ole Miss is playing Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I think they're leaving on Friday. Yeah, yeah I think that's the most likely outcome. And I don't think their schedule will be the same. I don't necessarily think they'll start with TCU. They might start with Texas Tech instead of starting with TCU. Regardless, Look, and here's the deal. I mean, who cares if you have yeah. to play an SEC team just to get three games in, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, just get the games in. The question is, if it's Saturday, Doug still starts on Saturday, right? Well, yeah, because you don't want to bump him off another day of the rotation. Because if he didn't, then you're – I mean, because you're going to throw him one of the three days. You're not just going to not let Doug throw an opening day. Yeah, he's your favorite. Oh, I'm sorry, on the opening weekend. Yeah. Now, you might pitch count. 
it might change how many pitches he throws the first day, which Mike's going to do anyway. I mean, p- over the course of opening weekend, over the years, Mike's cut their opening day pitch counts pretty low. I mean, I'll be shocked if any of them get above 75 pitches, probably. Who backs him up? Who's the first pitcher in behind him? Uh, Drew McDaniel is my guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Either him or I was going to say. I think it's I think it's Drew McDaniel. Um, if they had a few more lefties, I would contemplate Jackson Kimbrell. But you know, Mike's gotten into that issue a little bit this year, where I'm not a huge left right matchup guy in college. It just doesn't matter to me. I think you just put the best pitcher out there and work through it. Same. But they're in a they're in a weird bullpen situation because Jackson Kimbrell is again their only left hander. And that's the weird thing about the expanded rosters is maybe you would have addressed that in some way, in some way, but you know you got twenty two pitchers and one's a lefty. That's not that's not ideal. I mean the case is left handed, and there might look there might be a freshman I'm forgetting, but I just mean people that actually were going to pitch. Yeah, the ones that are going to um, pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the weird one about that is they've had a couple other guys that they've they've allowed to to leave or haven't push to stay and in a lot of ways it's a credit to to mike because and and wouldn't necessarily get on the subject but that 35 man roster is pretty complicated and it's even more complicated for somebody or a team that only has 11.7 and doesn't get a bunch of lottery scholarships and mike needs to get more credit than he gets sometimes on being honest with kids because benji gilbert probably would have pitched a little bit on this team they Mm -hmm. could have at least used his left-handed arm but he wanted to pitch more. He wanted more of a role that he wasn't going to get. He wanted to be a two-way guy at another school. So he transferred out. He's at, I think, State College of Florida is where he ended up. But that's the name when I look at it and went, hey, if you completely have your druthers, you probably would like Benji Gilbert on the roster just for another left-handed kind of spot guy. But instead, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're liking. I mean, it's it's from a guys who are going to pitch, it's Kimbrell and Nikhazy. Well, and then you look at the infield. Like, for example, Kel Baker's not going to be available this weekend. Now, Mike couldn't confirm that officially because of university protocol, but we both know it's Kel Baker that's going to be out with COVID, not going to travel with him this weekend. So that shifts things up. Now, Ole Miss has 22 pitchers and enough outfielders that they can cover for it, but they don't have a lot of depth on the left side of the infield. So I was trying to like break it down in my brain about what they were going to do. And the only real move you could possibly make and put the best lineup out there is not Kevin Graham at first base, where defensively they don't want him anywhere near first base anymore. So Tim Elko at first base, Justin Bench goes to third, even though I don't know if I necessarily love his arm at third base, but you can get through it with the weekend because you have more options in the outfield. So yeah, these number crunches, that you talk about Connor Walsh, for example, he was terrible at Ole Miss, but still he had the uh, pedigree coming in that they liked the player. But then with the number crunches and stuff, you just don't have no, any room for him anymore. The upside with other guys matters more. You want to keep a guy like Cade Sammons and, and you're bringing in Hudson Sapp and you got a lot of outfielders, but infield wise, the only move you can make is Justin Bench at third base and Tim Elko at first base. So you're right. I mean, it's just the way you configure your roster this year with the expanded rosters. It's not very – I'm very impressed with how they've been able to actually maneuver it. And they're not alone. I mean, TCU's doing the same thing. Texas is doing the same thing. Everybody in the country is doing the same thing. But the fact that Ole Miss was able to put together and keep the core of what they needed back, but also put together around them um, good depth, even though they're kind of lacking in spots – it's a good roster, and that's why everyone's so high on this team being a national title contender. Yeah, Luke, Luke Baker is also going to pitch. You were kind of mentioning him a second ago. He's the left-hander out of Gainesville. He's mm-hmm. going to throw a little bit as well. Um, I forgot him as we were talking. Um, 
No, look, I think they have three options for what to do with Kill Baker out. I think the one you just mentioned is the one that if you had to pick one over a two or three week period, that's the one that would win out, which is moving bench to third, putting uh putting Elko back at first base and then and say basically it. alternating Sammons and Plumley in center field. Say it. Who's the starter in center field? Say it. It's Kate or Plumley. I don't know. Yeah. One or the other. Last year when John Rice couldn't hit it all, I was messing with you basically because I know what fires up my message board. Okay. So writing a story about John Rice as a starter is so easy. And I was trying to fire you up about it. And man, that was, that was one of my favorite days too, is you're like, Ben, stop. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it, man. I'm like, oh, oh man, I, it's happening. I, I, I knew you were not being legitimate in like, I, I knew you were just messing with people. So I was trying to combat that as, as we were talking, but I think that's what they do. They also could play Kip Alderman at first base. Um, and then they also, like you said, could move ground, but I really don't see that happening. I don't think that's that's probably a spot they would do long-term. I mean, look, Trey LaFleur's injury is a big deal for big the first deal. weekend. Because he would have just inserted in at first base and that been it. I, I thought it was huge news for Ole Miss that um, they're going to get him back probably within a week um, and only miss one weekend of action if that's the case. Because I, I would assume Kale is just out one week, but I guess it could stretch into the first part of the second weekend. I'm really not sure when that positive test happened. Who draws more starts at first base, Kale or Trey LaFleur by the end of the year? We'll get right back to Chase Parm in this crossover edition of Talk of Champions, the Oxford Exxon podcast, after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you. Get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel Sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Trailer floor. I'm with you. I'm, I, I'm, 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 look, Ole Miss has the lineup to absorb this potentially. 
and look, maybe he makes me a, a maybe he makes me a believer. Maybe he throws some egg on my face a little bit because JUCO kids are a lot like freshmen. They're better in year two than year one, and they take that same kind of transition. But Kale's got to be more consistent. You know, Kale had a huge weekend last year against either Louisville or somebody. I forget who it was against, but it was Louisville. He hit like hell that weekend, and he kind of struggled otherwise. Um, struggled with some velocity, struggled with a lot of swing and miss. And you know, this team's going to have some swing and miss. I mean, they're a they're a pro style lineup, and what I mean by that, they're going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to strike out a lot. There's not a ton of on-base percentage guys in this lineup. They're going to hit the ball the ballpark for the most part, one through nine. So there's a place for Baker there. But I just think LaFleur gives you a lot of athleticism. I think he probably gives you some some all-fields upside at the plate maybe too. I mean, we'll see how quickly that thing transitions because, you know, last year even in that short stint, he was pretty hurt. He was banged up from high school. I think if you're buying stock on somebody, LaFleur might be one of the top two or three guys you you would take. And really good – in the preseason before he got hurt, hitting for power. I think he had three home runs in the opening weekend. I really like mm-hmm. the kid. And it's like people forget, and they don't really. This is more or less me just being me. But it can't be forgotten that the kid coming in was one of the most highly touted kids in that class, one of the best classes, hands down, that Ole Miss has ever signed. And he got drafted by the Dodgers. And I think he won't say it, but there was a little bit of him pressing a little more than I think he anticipated as far as I think his approach – not chasing fastballs, which is what Ole Miss hitting-wise instructs you to do, hunt fastballs. I, I think his approach, there there needed to be a little bit of an adjustment for him. And I don't think the outfield was necessarily something that he took too well to initially. He's gotten better at it, but his place is first base. But right now that's occupied by Kel Baker. He would be starting this weekend with Trey LaFleur at first base if he was healthy. And I think by the end of the year, yeah, he'll be the one that um, is starting more games there. My question is, do you bat Jacob Gonzalez second starting out? Because if it was me, and you know how I feel about this, I'm an analytics guy. Tim Elko would bat second and no one else would ever bat second all year. And Hayden Leatherwood would bat third or whatever you wanted to do. But I feel like Mike is going to start out because Peyton Chatney is leading off with this team. He's just going to. And then I feel like Mike's going to back that up with Jacob Gonzalez batting second, effectively trying to recreate what he had last year when he went Anthony Servidio, Peyton Chatney, and Tyler Keenan. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm kind of jotting it out right now. Um, let me let me let me see what I'm what I'm getting here. Trey um, Lafleur would look so good as a regular batting six for this lineup that we're making out in our brains. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm writing everything down. I, I tell you what, I think it's going to be. Um, I just don't just want Justin on. Bench batting That's high. That's my whole deal. I don't think he's going to hold on. I, I think I'm pretty right here. Hold on. Um, all right, who am I forgetting? Oh, it's whomever that is. Okay, um, Sammons or Plumley, whatever. Um, <laughs> That person's batting ninth. Like that. I have no problem with John Rice. Quit trying to do that. Um, no, I just like messing with you about it because that was fun. That was a right, fun day. Here, here's my guest Friday. We'll see how close I am. I think it's Chatney, Gonzalez. They think Gonzalez is like a dude, mm-hmm. like real dude. Yeah. Um, they call him a walking Elko, barrel. Yes. Elko, Graham, Van Cleve, who gets nowhere near the, uh, the praise he should for his mm-hmm. plate discipline, given that he's a big guy. Everybody thinks he's swinging miss. He's not. Um, Leatherwood six, Dunhurst seven, whoever's playing center field eight, and bench nine. So you think bench no matter what's bet ninth? Um, yeah, I do. I think bench is eight or nine, and I'll go with nine because Mike does kind of like the little double lead off thing that I don't necessarily, but he does. You know, when um, bench doesn't offer anything as far as power goes. I mean, he's a straight he contact guy. Yeah, he gets on base. On base. He got on base in sixteen of his seventeen games last year. Yeah, he That's walks he and, and he gets non-power hitting hits. 
if I'm wrong about something, I think Leatherwood might be five and Van Cleef might be six. Um, and then I think Dunhurst could move up, but he's got a messed up thumb a little bit right now. He got into a catcher's interference a couple weeks ago, and it's why he's Friday's inner squad because they didn't want to mess up his thumb for no reason. I think he probably is hitting seventh because of the thumb. I think because also I think Dunhurst is going to hit this year. Yeah, I think of all the guys that you just listed out, the one that can move up faster than anybody else is Dunhurst. He could end up in the five hole before the year's over. I was actually talking to some people that floated the idea of him by the end of the year batting third. Well, I mean, I don't know if I buy that. Here's my much. problem with that: is Mike, if if Elko hits, I don't see Mike ever moving Elko from third unless it's to second because Gonzalez kind of flames out a little bit. And if that's the case, I just don't think if if Elko hits, I just don't see him moving anywhere else. Now the and whole my, key is going to absolutely put Tim in at three for a while. But the key to that entire lineup is Kevin Graham batting fourth. Because I, I get that he was so good in the fall, and he's been really good in the preseason. But there's still some volatility there. I, I think we're assuming Kevin Graham to be this known commodity when he isn't. He's got a proving hit left-handers. I mean, as, as a freshman, he hit 10 home runs, but he was one for 19 against left-handers. Yeah. He's either going to be the breakout star that they think he might be, or he's a platoon bat, and you can't have a platoon bat batting fourth. If you told me somebody moves up into the four hole, I would say it ends up being Leatherwood. See, I thought I Leatherwood think just made so much sense batting third, but Elko, you're right. I mean, Elko's that he's going to bat third. And if Gonzalez doesn't do what they hope he can do, um, I think Leatherwood is a candidate to move into the two hole eventually. Because I do, I think he's going to hit. He hit 361 last year. And, and kind of limited starts compared to everybody else. It kind of took a while for Mike to fully put him in until they're late before everything got canceled. Um, you know, Gonzalez is the key because we just don't know. But, I mean, I, I've talked about this a lot. What This lineup is so startling because seven of the nine guys are back from last year. They've got a freshman they love, and then they're doing what else they're doing in this other spot. But there's no experience. It's what COVID has caused here. You have returners, but you don't have experience. Only three players have taken an SEC at bat. That's amazing to me for a lineup that we're talking about, oh, this guy's back, and you move this guy and whatever. There has not been a season, not one season in their entire starting lineup where one of these guys played the entire year, day after day after day, because Elko's been spot at times. He hasn't been able to just get this role and take it for 56 games. Bench has been banged up or hasn't played. And then Graham, you know, he played a lot as a freshman, but he wasn't day one. They don't have one. There's no one on this entire lineup that's played every single day of an SEC season. Man, that's a really good point. Because Dunhurst, for example, what do we know about Dunhurst as a hitter? What is his profile? Because you can't really read too much into 17 games. That's way too small of a sample. And I know that college baseball is a game of small samples but we don't know what his profile is. We don't really know what the profile of Hayden Leatherwood is yet. We think we do because we saw how he caught fire and was effectively their second best hitter by the time the season got canceled. Mm-hmm. But Peyton oh, Chatagnier, Peyton yeah. Was yeah. Peyton Chatagnier simply a product of a shortened season and just um, a streak? Because who knows? He might have fallen apart. We don't know. Golly, man. That that throws well, a little cold water on it, but they're going to play. Well, they're going to fall apart because they haven't seen it. I mean, with Chatney, you're going to get some some power. Maybe you're not expecting. You're not going to get this. You're going to get this. You know what you're going to kind of get from Dunhurst. But no, look, 
that's the danger in this lineup. Like when somebody asks me, hey, predict their season, and I mean that's all fool's gold anyway. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. But point being, there is going to be a point where there's a little lull because so many of these players, for because of when the season got canceled last year, they haven't had to fix their own self-scouting, if you will. You know what I mean? We were kind of right there at the point of people knowing a book on them going, hey, this kid can't hit this, throw this kid, hit, hit this. And then I, that goes on for about two weeks. And then after two more weeks, the players adjust back. And then they kind of get into what they are. Well, we, we were kind of robbed from that. Um, it would have been the first couple weeks of SEC play when they played, I guess it was LSU and A&M was what was on the docket. That was, that was when that was going to kind of happen. So the question is, does that start right now? Do those teams kind of have the book from last year and these first two weeks because Ole Miss plays pretty good opponents with it being UCF and this thing in Texas? Is that what it is, or are we looking at still another type of weird transition in week three or four of the season? And I don't know the answer to that. But if you told me the offense struggled a little bit for the first part of the year, I wouldn't be stunned. I don't necessarily expect it, but I do think this team has two or three legitimate question marks relative to where they are ranked at least. I mean, look, they're going to be a top 20 team no matter what, but the difference in top four, top five, and top 20 is two or three question marks and how they solve those. And that is one of them is just they don't have any experience in this lineup. So you're not buying all the way into the offense being so dominant in the preseason? No. In preseason, no, absolutely not. Um, Several years ago, I disregarded false stats completely. I refused to take a false stat for an individual or a team and make it into anything. Um, I've been burned on that too many times. Spring a little more. I'm not completely against it. I'm not saying that none of it makes any sense whatsoever. And it's not that I'm not necessarily buying in. I'm just buying in with caution. Um, pitchers, I mean, I asked Mike this question for a reason to kind of write about it last week. Pitchers aren't trying to get outs, per se. They're not throwing the holes in guys' swings. They're working on fastballs or change-ups or spotting or doing different things in different counts. I mean, when Doug Nikhazy's facing Jacob Gonzalez on Friday, he's not going into every bat going, okay, well, here's what Gonzalez doesn't hit. Let me make sure I can win this red-blue game right now. Like, you know what I mean? So that's what I don't know. When you're really pitching in a game where – Hey, this kid's gonna they're gonna bust you in with a slider. And then if you're a lefty, they're gonna they're gonna float that little fading changeup in on you. They're gonna do this. We haven't seen that. And because of that, I'm just I'm just putting an asterisk over here by it. I'm not saying it's not gonna work. I love the power they've got one through nine. I think that translates, and I think that's what the identity of this offense is. However, if you told me that some of that, you know, there's more a little more swing and miss, there's a few more strikeouts than maybe even we're kind of thinking. And there's some days where they just get beat three to one. I'd probably buy that too early on. Now I think it fixes itself immediately, but that's why I, I think these first couple of weeks are at least interesting to me. That's the main thing I want to see. I buy completely that this could be a three true outcome team mm-hmm. and not much in between. Cause like last year, they were 36 home runs in 17 games into the season tops in the country. I think that was five better than the second best team in the country. Thing was, is you had Justin Bench and other guys like that. Like Anthony Servidio wasn't just hitting home runs. I mean, the good dude was hitting doubles. I mean, he was getting on base constantly, had a monstrous OBP. He was maybe the best player in college baseball at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was on a trajectory to where if he stayed like that, he was the college baseball player of the year. He was that good. So uh, I could see this team being more three true outcomes, home run, strikeout, walk and not much in between. The question is, is who are those guys that could buoy? Is that necessarily right? If they could actually keep afloat um, an offense once it does hit those low valleys in which they're not hitting home runs night in, night out. And the guys like that would be Hayden Leatherwood. 
ideally, Jacob Gonzalez, if he's batting second, and Peyton Chatney. Because I think Tim Elko, that, that's kind of his profile. We know a little bit more about Tim Elko than we do Hayden Leatherwood, Peyton Chatney, guys like that. Um, Kevin Graham, I will buy Kevin Graham as a thing when he does it consistently, and once he does, hit left-handed pitching. Because like you said, he just didn't do it. He hadn't done it yet. So once he does do it, then I'll buy it a little bit more. But I still think that my biggest pause when I'm talking about this team as a Omaha contender, national championship contender, is the schedule. Because as good as they are, and the pitching's going to be there all year, as good as they are, the schedule's the toughest in the country. So what will it take for an Ole Miss team, schedule-wise, record-wise, to get to where they want to go, to where they're hosting a regional position to host a super regional like what do they have to get through how do they have to i guess maneuver through their schedule i think i mean in in a vacuum given their schedule where the rpi is going to be given this first weekend here's how i'm going to do it i'm going to throw this first weekend in with conference play if that makes sense so let's give them 33 games um i think you're talking 18 or 19 wins yeah. Something like that for a super regional host mm-hmm. for a top eight seed. I think that you're 17 and 13 with maybe two and one this weekend, or you're 18 and 12 with a one and two weekend. Man, can you imagine the response if they go one and two this weekend? <sighs> I mean, look, <laughs> somebody's going to go one and two this weekend. Yeah. I mean, there are six top ten teams. Somebody's going to lose games. Yeah. Somebody's going to do something. Teams are going to go. Somebody might go zero and three. Um. Look, even if they go one and two, if they, if they go zero and three, I want to know what it looks like. There's such a difference. I mean, because you can have a weekend where, like, okay, let's take this. Like last year when Louisville left Oxford, they weren't panicking and going, "Oh my God, we just lost two out of three in Oxford. We're doomed for the year." There were no signs. There were really any problems. I mean, they're a good baseball team. They were going to be a team that might go to Omaha. 2017, the last time Ole Miss went to Texas, they played in that tournament out in Houston and got beat three times. I got back on the plane and went, oh, shit. They got a problem. And they had a problem. They missed the postseason. That was all those kids with Thomas and Gray and those guys that had never seen an SEC or a Big 12 changeup before and couldn't hit. And, I mean, just mentally didn't have it. And, frankly, I mean, as much as I love those guys, you know, the leadership wasn't great on that team. They couldn't kind of pick them out of it. I mean, there were problems – so there's a difference in what this looks like if you have a losing weekend. Um, look, that schedule is awful, as you said. I mean, the SEC, this tells you a lot. Alabama is picked dead last in the league, and they have a, they have a first, team, uh, first team pitcher. Who has a first team pitcher and is picked dead last in the West? When does that ever happen? Never. So that's even that situation. Everybody else is good. I mean, Auburn went to Omaha two years ago. Kind of forget that. They did. Auburn went to Omaha. They're picked sixth. So the West is ridiculous. You don't play three of the four worst teams. I think Tennessee is better, but it's still Tennessee. I'll, I'll, I'll buy they compete with Florida and Vanderbilt when I see it. And then you don't play Missouri and you don't play Kentucky, who are absolutely the worst teams in the East. So your schedule is awful. I think to host a regional, you can do it at 16 and 14. But I think to do anything beyond that and be a top eight seed, you're talking 17, 18, and depending on kind of what you do in these first three games. Is Derek Diamond – the number three starter all year? Well, history would say that Mike doesn't stay with his three starters most of the time. I mean, I I used to have the stat. I don't have it off of my head, but he typically will move guys around. 
Um, I'm going to buy Derek a little more than maybe I would have months ago. Uh, he had the forearm strain back in the summer. He seems healthy. The velocity seems up. He's such a damn athlete that I think he's going to figure a lot of stuff out. He's going to figure out how to pitch and gets outs in this league. And I don't know if there's that obvious next guy. I think that's one of the reasons I feel like this is I know they love Drew McDaniel. I know Jackson Kimbrell's pitched really well. You know, you got Drew Holston in this lottery ticket that we'll see what that becomes or doesn't become throughout the year. Um, but I'm going to say Derek figures it out. I think Derek does enough. Now, is he going to be Doug and Gunner? No. But here's what Derek does. He gives you a lot of upside. And you need him to have a year because, I mean, look, it's all about this year, and this is in the middle of their window, and this is the team that has a chance to win a national title if you compare it to the roster for next year and anything like that. But Derek's going to be your Friday or Saturday starter next year, so you need to give him a lot of opportunities to work through things. And you also hope that your lineup, one through nine, and the way your offense is, carries you to some Sunday wins. You know what I mean? Like, I think you've got to figure out to try to win some games like that occasionally. And I will give Derek credit. He got hit around a little in the early innings last year in those four starts. But I thought, especially for a freshman and for a Sunday guy who has to kind of weather some of those things, he held it together okay. He kind of found himself and could find a way to go get four, five, six outs in a row because, you know, Sunday games are just micro games. You're constantly trying to get five, six outs. Get five or six outs, try to score a run, get five or six more outs because they'll kill you. They'll go to the bullpen. And Ole Miss is so deep in the bullpen that I think you would take it if you could just get five to six innings, giving up three to, frankly, even five runs from Derek consistently. I just don't want any of those, like, 11 to 10 games on Sunday. Just avoid those. Well, you're going to have <sighs> Get ready. Over, under, what? 37 and a half wins. I picked them to go... I don't love it. I kind of okay. I'm, I'm going to change my pick by one game. I picked on the message board the other day: forty and sixteen, eighteen and twelve. I well, think that's, it's that's thirty-nine, and seventeen, seventeen and thirteen. All right. Um, I, here because here's the reason. Look, I don't know what they're going to do this first weekend, but when you look at the rest of the non-con, look, Central Florida is a good team, but Ole Miss should win the games if they're who if they who if they are who we think they are, they should win those games. And your non-conference schedule overall is softer because you don't have the Governor's Cup and you don't play Southern Miss twice. So I think that changes where, you know, usually it's, hey, don't go any worse than 20 and 6. 20 and 6 is kind of the number where you're not hurt by the non-conference. But given the fact that you don't have the Governor's Cup and you don't play Southern Miss and some of the weird things that have happened, your non-con's a little softer past this opening weekend. I think you're more talking about 4 to 5 being the baseline there. So because of that, I think they can throw a really good non-conference uh, record up and, and, and win 17 games and still be in pretty good shape. I wish that this would mean that the Governor's Cup is officially dead, but it's not going to happen. I don't know why they're not playing it, though, because State's playing Southern Miss. Like, the reasons I've gotten on all the things, don't, they don't really make sense. I know why they're not playing Southern. And that Pearl. reeks of one team, one side, just desperately not wanting to play that game. It does. Yeah. Well, Southern is not playing some of their games because they went to, and I think I'm right here if I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. I think they're playing a four-game weekend in Conference USA. So if it was early enough where they could do it during non-conference play, that was fine. But once conference play started, they didn't want to play a four-game conference weekend and play Ole Miss or State in, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, which I do get. I understand why that would get killed. We'll jump back to Chase Parm in this crossover edition of Talk of Champions after we hear from Modern Woodman. Sponsors the mailbag. The Modern Women phone line, all numbers of segments here on Talk of Champions. A proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. 
Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They going to Omaha? <laughs> Jesus. It's all that matters, man. Oh. It's all that people want to know. After 40 <laughs> minutes, it's all I care about. Uh, yeah. I hear it. Uh, I hear it. I hear it. Just let it, ha- let it happen, man. Just let it go. Yeah, look, if there's no scar tissue involved and it's not me covering my 16th season or whatever it is, yeah, it, it's a it's a roster that is built for the College World Series because – they're just so damn deep in the bullpen. I mean, unless everybody falls off and isn't what we expect, when you get those three starters and you've got those two guys at the top and Nikhazy and Hoagland that are co-aces for different reasons. You know, Nikhazy has the mental makeup to be such a good Friday night guy while Hoagland has just better stuff overall. I mean, he's a – I mean, if you told me Hoagland pitches in the major leagues for 10 years as a number three starter, I'll buy it. I, I think that's his ceiling. That's, that's kind of what he profiles at. Yeah, he's like Mike um, Miner to me. Yes, I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's just who he is. Just eat up innings, don't walk anybody, got three, four pitches, you figure it out and you pitch forever. Um, but it's where that extended roster helped Ole Miss so much and so much more than other teams is that you're able to bring Broadway back, who's your main closer. You're able to bring back Miller. You're able to bring back Tyler Myers if he's healthy. You know, and in some ways it allows you to bring back Greer Holston just to see what you've got. All of that wealth at the back end lets you fix a day where maybe, you know, Diamond doesn't have a good day or maybe Nikhazy does get popped around a little bit on a Friday and kind of stay in games. It helps you for tournament play where you could go 3-3-3 on days where you have to. It's not really Mike's bag, but you could if you had to. So, I mean, there are so many options there that to me that's why Ole Miss is a top five team. It's that when you put games together and you try to manage it out kind of with simulations or on paper – I can make a lot of different pitching combinations work for Ole Miss. I mean, you know, the way Chofi played at the end of last year, what you think you might get out of a second year out of Forsyth, all these different guys. I mean, I think that's huge. I mean, if you told me there are problems, it's simply lack of depth from position players, the lack of experience, and, you know, just just expectations that come with the starting pitching that's there. Because I don't I think you can find three or four bullpen guys that work, even if a couple don't don't work out and you've got you've got enough arms. You know, the, the pressure is really on that lineup. And then, as you said, the pressure is on, on Derek Diamond because if you've got to move other guys around and make it figure it out, then that's a little bit of a weird spot. But if Diamond is what we think he can be, I mean, from a pitching standpoint, I just don't see many holes unless I'm missing something. You, you know, can, and also – You can cover well, up a lot with a good bullpen. And the thing is, is we've gotten this far, and Braden Forsyth was the one closing game for them at the end of the year last year, and he hasn't had a particularly great fall or spring, but he's going to – click you assume and he's going to be a known commodity by the end of the year and we haven't even brought up austin miller so a good bullpen a deep bullpen can cover up a lot of uh maybe problem areas for a pitching staff that we don't think is going to have any problem areas especially if you get what you expect out of doug nikhazy and gunner hoagland which in my opinion is the biggest travesty of losing last year of course you want to see him go to omaha you thought that was an omaha team but losing a year with those two guys atop your rotation that's one of the most we are all miss moments ever <laughs> 
<laughs> it it is now look it would have hurt a lot more for everybody had it been this year where you lose their final year you know what i mean you don't feel like you even get the chance to kind of redeem it a little bit i mean look Ole Miss has been been bit by that a couple times i mean scott biddle doesn't get hurt no nine they might win the national title i mean if if ryan rollison was born 22 days later and isn't draft eligible as a sophomore he's on that 19 team and he pitches game two or three or game one actually so you know what i mean like there's so many things there from from that standpoint um I get what you're saying, but here's the other part of that. Here's why they do benefit is that Ole Miss has this ridiculously hard schedule and they do, but it was also the same ridiculously hard conference schedule they were going to have last year. And those other aces are gone. They didn't pitch. They didn't have to play a year where Tanner mm. Burns was the Friday night guy for Auburn, That's where true. Emerson Hancock was the Friday night guy for Georgia. They were able to let those guys go ahead and go pro. So look, if you're going to play that specific schedule, you're much better off playing it this year where there are a lot more unknowns with the other teams and who they're throwing out there on Friday nights. You're supposed to go to Arlington this weekend. You going now? I don't think so. Yeah, you um, can't. You can't play golf out there. That's why you were going. I mean, we were doing everything over Zoom. Let's be honest here. Okay? Be honest with the people that are listening. We're doing everything over Zoom. So attending these games are almost pointless because you're effectively doing the exact same thing at home. You were going to play golf. What are you going to do now if you go? Yeah, and I think you're shut in even to like Saturday morning. Yeah, so you're effectively just trying to get out of town, which I wouldn't blame you for doing because, let's be honest, here we're all getting a little stir-crazy. I've been cooped up in my house for eight months. I'm kind of losing it. I mean, my God, I'm riding a Peloton bike, and you know me. That's not what I do. And The the how to cover games is affecting me. Like, this whole Zoom really going and having no reason to go. I mean, I I haven't covered a game in person since we left the press box at Swayze Field with the day they beat Princeton and Tiamoko hit the ball on top of the batter's eye. I think that's no. Actually, I went to the SEC tournament, which was ground zero for COVID, and I went to cover the oh, SEC God. tournament. Yeah, I was there. And you remember, I actually was there in the press box for a game of the Princeton series, sitting with you. And you asked me, you said, "Ben, you don't sound good." And I went, "I, I know, man. I think I got like the flu. I thought I did." And then I went to the doctor. They said, "You don't have the flu. It's not pneumonia. It might be a strain of pneumonia." What does that sound like? So you think you had it had immediately it. and early. Yeah, yeah. And then went to Nashville. And I remember Keith Carter comes and talks to us. Like me and Parrish were the only two people there for the SEC tournament. And Keith Carter comes to talk to us, and he goes, Ben, uh, you don't sound good. I went, oh, man, no, I've been to the doctor. He says it's fine. But that thing didn't go away for 20 days. It was 20 days until I got to feeling better. And I felt miserable. And I remember driving back, having to do work on my computer, effectively because baseball was being canceled it was the most bizarre Mm -hmm. experience ever and since then i have been at home for everything for football season basketball season because there's no reason to go if you can't talk to anybody in person i get it but i didn't think almost a year into this and we're almost a year into this that we would still be doing this I could have never expected that. I thought we'd be further along than this. I thought you and I would be in a press box, you ordering your chicken tenders, you know, doing your thing in your little left-handed I don't suite. Tenders, That's right. I, that, that was that was Rippy. Rippy would get chicken tenders and a corn well, dog. Rippy, it's like I love you, Brian, but you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's going to catch yeah, up to you one day, Rippy, okay? You can eat whatever you want now, but listen to the two mid-30s guys and what we're having to do now. What do you get? Well, you get a... Uh, Either a corn dog or a cheeseburger, and you get some type no, of candy. No, the burger it's fairly healthy, but I get pissed off because you can't get the burger and the frips. If you That's order the right. burger, you only get the 
fries. That's right. <laughs> and you've tried to but I want change. The chips that come with the barbecue. Yes, you you try to get it changed for uh, immediate relations. I've talked to Keith about this. Yeah, I've wasted a bullet with Keith Carter <laughs> over the damn burger and the fribs. <laughs> I have. It's my thing. Like I, it drives me insane. Oh. It's a crusade. Oh, we did man. we did get extra money on the on the on the mill ticket. I feel like such a such a cheapskate. That is a very lame media thing to do. But I'm the one that got us in trouble for eating in the uh specialty box for all those alumni people. I got us in trouble because I dared to eat a Yeah, we're the, we're, we're the we're the that couldn't go in the Diamond Club and yeah. we got called. Yeah, I got I went to the Diamond Club, I was ketoing, went to get my little two hot dogs, you know, with no bun, really loving my life, and then got chastised for doing so. Yeah, hope you enjoy yourself in the Diamond Club. But oh my God, I thought we'd be in a press box by now. I really did. I thought we'd be enjoying this, but instead... I mean, you know how fun it would be to go to Arlington and cover a game in a Major League Baseball ballpark? The last time I went and covered a game in a Major League Baseball ballpark was when me and Jeff went to Atlanta to talk to Seth Smith, who was playing for the Rockies, and me and Todd Helton became best friends. So that's the last time I've done that. I would have loved to go to Arlington. It was so much fun. I just thought we'd be further along by now, but I'm not going to do... The whole COVID discussion. I'm not talking about that. You do enough of that on your own podcast yeah, well, every other the, day. But look, that is what sucks in two ways. One is, I mean, I mean, all jokes aside about being the baseball guy or whatever, but it's what I do all spring. I mean, it's the reason that I don't follow Major League Baseball as it's much. It's your reason for being. Over, this is what gives you sustenance. Well, I'm just telling you, when the college baseball season is over, I'm so kind of drained on baseball that I have a hard time picking up a Major League team and that affects my fandom on that way. So it's all I do during the spring for the most part. And when that ended, I mean, I was, I, you know, I asked Mike, hey, like, what are you doing with your time? I'm like, what's up? And I was almost kind of getting some advice a little bit without being like that and asking him that way. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just kind of twiddling my fingers. And, you know, everything was locked down. There was nowhere to go. So I had to kind of figure that out a little bit in my head. And you're right. I thought Arlington would be, I thought Arlington would be this, kind of first thing this 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 renaissance if you will yes. or, hey this thing's gonna be open enough to do it we can do this you know you're gonna happen there look I'm, I'm really happy for fans and the ability to go from an attendance standpoint but i thought oh this is gonna be the thing and then when you realize nope still zoom still this still this and now we're throwing a blizzard on top of it it just feels like one more thing that's beating us over the head because there's no more of loading up as a media group and going anywhere it's just you and me love so it's like hey you go to arlington i'll meet you there okay and mm -hmm. maybe we'll go out every once in a while. But now for you, when you go on trips, you're going golfing. And look, you've played golf with me. Not very good. Don't even pretend to be. So uh, you and I, our golfing experiences are totally different. So if you're going to Arlington to play golf, well, I'm not going to get involved with that one. You know, first of all, I didn't get an invite. But even if I did, I don't know if I'd accept it because I don't want to be embarrassing. Right? I don't want to embarrass anybody. So, yeah, I, I felt like this would be a trip that would be some semblance of a return to normalcy, whatever the start of the season was. And when it was announced that it was Arlington, I was like, oh, wow, that was, I, I'm a major league baseball guy. I'm a Braves fan. You used to be one with me. We could get into the discussion about how I called you devastated after the infield fly game. And I ate a whole chocolate pie. We could talk about all that stuff. But anyway, I still love baseball. Major league baseball is my thing. And I would have loved to have been there and thought to myself when it was announced that, oh, wow, that's where the postseason was played. And, Media were credentialed for that, and fans got to go into the stadium for that. Maybe we'll get that treatment. But then I found out that the media that went to that had to Zoom. So you're sitting in a press box, zooming into the locker room that is below you. 
What oh, is I didn't the point? That. Yeah. Okay. What is the point? They were zooming in. What is the point? Do you think there will come a time within the next couple of months as we cover Ole Miss baseball that we'll actually get to talk to these people in person again? I'm scared to say yes because I, I feel like I'm almost jinxing it, but I, I do. I, I think given the current way the numbers are trending, and this is not a COVID conversation. I don't want to have a COVID conversation. Never. But never. I think that – the executive order potentially in the first of March might extend attendance a little bit. And I think if attendance can get to 50%, that at least opens the door outside for in-person interviews. Cause look, I mean, not to like, I mean, this didn't get anybody in trouble. It was legal in the fall when our numbers were worse. We had a couple in-person things with baseball. Hey, stay away. And you might can have this distance thing. You know what I mean? That's true. So why would it be different now? I mean, that's, that's the deal. And look for, I mean, Mike is pretty damn accommodating from a media standpoint. So if it's at all legal, I think he would be fine with it. I think our best chance right now is the SEC tournament. By the way, I'm going to save the Ronnie Hamilton interview for my second show this week because Chase and I have gone an hour. So I didn't think we were going to, but here we are, an hour into this. Secondly, you speaking about Mike and being accommodating. He softened up a little bit. He softened up. He he's he's different with us to some extent. He's different with his team. I mean, I think not Mike, different with Rippy. No, but <laughs> if he does what I think he's going to do, I think Mike's going to go to Omaha a couple more times before he's done. Um, I think he's going to have a late career resurgence. This frankly already happened because look, in 2019 they were six innings from Omaha. I mean, he coached his ass off that year and when they lost to Arkansas in the Super Regional, and that's when this thing changed a little bit. He 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 loosened up. He has changed in some ways about how you have to coach kids differently in 2020, 2021 than maybe you did 2002, 2003. He talked about it a little bit on, on on my podcast a few months ago about how they're not softer, but they just necessarily need more positive reinforcement. You, you need different ways that you coach people. And I think he's he's understood that in, in, in a ton of ways. I mean, look, we're this is a Mike Bianco. I mean, my people, and I know we have a lot of the crossover listeners, so a lot of people have heard this story. But I mean, we're 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 not we're, we're ten years from when he called me into his office that day for quoting him correctly. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with Mike Bianco about. I mean, in some ways, getting sent to Belding's office about <laughs> actually quoting him accurately. So it was, you know, we're we're a long <laughs> way from it. I told you this story before. So um, one of my very first one-on-one interviews when I worked for Sports Information in college. Chase, you and I can't run away from this. We both went to Ole Miss. We graduated from Ole Miss. We grew up as Ole Miss fans. Now we cover the – it's a very different relationship now. I don't want to get into that. But back then, I was still very much gung-ho, oh, my God, it's Mike Bianco. It's Ole Miss baseball. And I'm going to do my mm-hmm. first one-on-one interview by myself for sports information for some lame feature that I probably wrote for OleMissSports.com. And I'm sitting in there, and I just want – before we start, I went, um, Coach Bianco, I just wanted to say it's a real honor to interview you. And he looks at me dead-eyed. Dead-eyed, I'm just a baseball coach. Talk about shattering a kid. <laughs> I was like, and now every time I talk to Mike, I'm 35 years old now, but every time I talk to Mike, I wonder to myself, does he remember that naive little kid who stepped into his office and just fawned all over Mike Bianco only for him to say, I'm just a baseball coach? He, <sighs> I tell you what he's done, and maybe he would deny this, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's just my perception of it. As I think for the longest time, it wasn't like not trusting or anything. But when you ask a question, Mike would want to know your angle. It was adversarial. And he would try to figure it out. 
and it, and it could affect his answer because if he thought that was your angle, he would kind of judge it. And I feel like now he does, and he kind of did it with us on Monday. He kind of tries to help you do your job. You know what I mean? Like, even if I don't really want to answer this or do whatever, I get you've got a job to do, and I'm going to get as close to telling you what you need to know as I can. I feel like he's gone from, you know, neutral or at least kind of wondering, is, are you trying to get some angle on me a little bit, to no, let's just all kind of cooperate and go on about our day best we can. A good example of this is you asked it, asked it delicately, can't even talk right now, you mentioned Wes Burton first, but you're trying to find out about Kel Baker. He just talked about Wes Burton. I come back later. I knew what you were going for, and I just simply said, outside of Trey LaFleur, is there anybody else you expect mm-hmm. to not be available this weekend? And Mike, in the old days, you know he wouldn't have taken that question very well. He wouldn't have liked that at all. He'd have found a way to say, I can't talk about it. You know that. You know, doing that whole thing. And instead, he paused, looked up at the sky for a minute, went back down, and said effectively, I can't say it, but we'll be without one guy because of COVID. We all know who that person is, but it just it shows you it's different for him now. It's different for him. And uh, I got to I gotta be honest. I mean, he kind of takes two if you don't take yourself so seriously either. Because he and I, I'll ask a stupid question, and he'll kind of bust me out on it, and I'll laugh because I don't take myself seriously. No one hates himself more than me. So I just laugh about it and think it's great, and he just moves on. If you get angry about it or if you get confrontational about it, like some have done, then he'll keep that going. He he kind of will egg he that on a little bit. Personality. Yeah. And I don't mean you as in you, but you as in anyone. Yeah. Like, I won't say a name, but one person took something particularly poorly from Mike, flipped off his recorder and walked off. And Mike was like, Oh wow, I didn't I didn't did I just piss off so and so? Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you kind of take it and for what it is, it's fine. It's no big deal. Well, I, I enjoy you and I it. Agree here. There are too many media members that take, and I don't. This isn't old Miss related, even though I mean, just in general, they take themselves so damn oh, seriously. It's bad. At the end of the day, we're not digging ditches. We're not handling the nuclear codes. We're not even talking. doing journalism, man. Well, and here's what we're doing too: is we're talking to these guys, coaches, five minutes after potentially the worst day of their or their professional lives, mm. and you're asking them questions on it. And now, look, that's part of their job. They get paid a ton of money. I'm not. I'm not placating them or whatever they're human but at the end of the day too i mean yeah i'd get a little pissy occasionally if i had a really bad day and you went hey so that run on sentence in paragraph three what the hell was up with that and you go oh you know what i mean like it you have to also realize what you're doing that the, the time that you're doing it and how quickly they're coming off a cooling off period when look they've had they have bad professional days that are in front of thousands of people they have a right sometimes to be pissed off and you just got to take it and move on with it to your next day i have learned that if you don't pretend to be an expert and don't ask questions like you are an expert, don't come in hot like, hey, coach, uh, that's Ben Garrett. You know, I played a center in high school in football, um, you know, offensive line. But if you don't do that, if you just act and understand that they know more than you, you're more likely than not going to have a pretty good relationship with the dude. You know, oh, they fine. do hate that. Yeah. You just can't act like you're some expert because you're not. And the people that subscribe to both of our websites – yeah, they pay to hear what we have to say about Ole Miss and to get inf- inside information, whatever it might be. But they know that we're not some expert on in partic- any particular thing unless it's Chase writing a column about baseball. He could write Balls McGee on a piece of paper and get fond of her anyway. But if you don't act like an expert, you'll be fine. And that's my whole deal. I got to avoid in an hour not predicting Omaha or their final record. I'm busting my own self out. I had you answer that question, not me, because we're out of time. We're done.
You don't have a time limit. Podcasts have no airtime. Oh, crap. crap. My whole take on that, because I do want to get out of here. I don't want to hold you too much longer. My whole take on that is I'm one of those that people need that people need to recognize. Mike Bianco is Ole Miss baseball. Ole Miss baseball was made what it is because of Mike Bianco. And it's not going to be a popular opinion. But in my opinion, making it to regionals and super regionals is a big accomplishment. Yeah, it sucks not making it to Omaha. But this is not the same thing as AK not having two more NCAA tournament appearances. It's totally different. Making a Super Regional is effectively like making, what, the Sweet 16? And the fact that those accomplishments aren't celebrated more, I'll never quite understand it. I get the frustration totally of not making it to Home Hall with all the talent that has come through. But I'll never understand the criticism of Mike Bianco in that respect because he built the program. It's his program. He should be able to go out on his own terms whenever that might be. That's why Mike I thought not rolling you. over the contract was not the best idea for Keith. And I think he understood that and rectified the situation. Mike, Mike would admit that he's not one enough in the postseason. There's no doubt about that. Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, at the same time, the consistency that he's had is so much harder than people give it credit for being. Go back and look mm-hmm. through the coaches that are tops in the SEC and see those dog seasons they've had. You know, John Cohen went 5-25 and 25 a couple times. Van Horn's done that. Dave Perno used to make a damn habit out of it. You know what I mean? Like where you just fall off the map. Florida did it a couple years ago. Mike doesn't do that. They go 13 or 17, 13 and 17 or better every damn year. And another thing too, you and I've talked about this just in passing or just having a normal conversation. I've asked you before, okay, if they moved on from Mike Bianco, where would they go? And you've always made the point, and I agree with it completely. The idea that Dan McDonald would come back and replace his mentor are you he insane? Won't. No, never. No, he won't. And, and if you look around and you think about it, you put your brain in the place of all of those other coaches that you might pursue. And they look at Mike Bianco built that program from nothing. And it was from nothing. That program was nothing until Mike Bianco. And you got rid of him. It's the same thing. It's a false equivalency almost. But it's like when Ole Miss decided to fire David Cutcliffe. After one bad season, Ole Miss football being what it is, now, you can have your opinion about David Cutcliffe. I probably share a lot of those opinions. Point being is that you have to think about perception within the industry. And if you decided to move on from Mike Bianco, the idea that you're just going to go get Dan McDonald, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're Well, yeah, you're setting up a standard where, hey, you guys don't have lottery scholarships. Frankly, I and mean, this is not the topic for today, and I mean, I'd have to go into so much detail that I don't feel like doing. <laughs> no. You're falling even a little far, further behind in that because state's doing a lot of the things that Arkansas is right now to help out a lot of their, their scholarships because the school's struggling from an out-of-state tuition standpoint. Um, you're actually a little in, in, in worse shape. So you've got these issues against teams you're competing directly against, and Mike goes to how many of our regionals, how many of our super regionals, and how many of our years. That's not good enough be better. Look, can you hire a better coach than Mike Bianco? Yes. Can you do worse? Hell yes. With a large percentage of uh, of the population, especially this Mike that's better. I mean, you, you've got a different Mike Bianco than you did 10 years ago. Mike's a better coach today than he was in 2005. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So he, he listens to his assistants more too. Deals, yeah, you're, you're hiring a coach to go, hey, you've got to keep doing everything Mike's doing well and keep doing that well. And then the one or two things he doesn't do well, you've got to fix those two. And that's a tough deal. Um, that's a really, really hard deal in, in, in a lot of ways. I don't know. I mean, Mike told me earlier this year he wants to coach another six to ten years. Um, I think he's going to be successful enough to do that. I think that when he gets done, 
if he wants one, he won't because it's not Mike Bianco. Um, he would have he'd be able to have a say in kind of what type of person replaces him. Um, out of any former name, Dan McDonald would not take the job. Cliff he just Godwin, I know Danny would not take it. Godwin might take it, um, but you would have to really pay him. You'd have to really give him a set of requirements he felt comfortable with, not just hey, look, Mike didn't go to Omaha enough. You got to do better. Um, and look, Cliff's a ball buster. I mean, Cliff is. Cliff is is more of a, a Mike Mienko 2008 coach than a 2021 coach. There's nothing about Cliff that's warm and fuzzy. He's a damn good baseball coach, but you're not getting the the current Mike mentality with him. That's why you're making um, my point. Mike Bianco should be the head coach of Ole Miss baseball until he's ready to not be the head coach of Ole Miss baseball. And I know for a lot of people, that will not be a popular opinion, but I truly believe that. You've been so, putting him on me. I'm going to throw one on you, and I'm not even going to give you my opinion one way or the other. All right. You think Carl's a viable candidate? And I'll say that only because why has Carl not been offered another opportunity? Or why has he not tried to advance? Unless, unless now that I'm thinking about it in real time, he's kind of been preordained as the guy once Mike decides he doesn't want to do it anymore, if that's how it progresses. Just curious what you thought. I think the world of Carl, as far as recruiting goes, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Where would Ole Miss be without the dude? I think it's Ole Miss Mike's has got to set his... up play. And it, yeah. It, it's why Mike does such a good job setting up his staff because a lot of people go, hey, you should hire a pitching coach. Well, A, why? Mike is his pitching coach. He's his own guy. That's what he does. And if you hired a full-time pitching coach, who are you taking off the road? You taking Clement off the road? You taking Carl off the road? Hell no. This is the like, best recruiting the staff they've ever had. Yeah. No, it, it's, the, it's, it's a no-brainer as far as how to work that staff up. I'm just surprised Carl has not moved if he wanted that somewhere else. So I think Carl's now that I've thought about it in real time, he's waiting on this job. Because you can't tell me he hasn't been offered somewhere else. You know better than me. You and Carl are tired than – I don't know Carl all that well. I know Clem. So I, I don't know. That's fun to think about. Anyway, anyway, I think Ole Miss is going to Omaha winning 40 games. There you go. I've been putting myself on record there. Since I made Chase do it, put myself on record there. And Chase got to avoid giving an opinion on Carl. You're sneaky. You're sneaky. I'll give it to you. All these years later, doing a podcast with you, you snuck one in on me. Didn't expect it. No, thanks. I'm good. I ask you. I'm, I'm finished with that time. Yep. He's Chase Parham at Rivals Chase, at Rivals Chase on Twitter. My Twitter handle is the worst. I hate it. And uh, I hate when you call me out in public and say, hey, Spirit Ben, but it is what it is. It's at Spirit Ben on Twitter. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and for the 247 Sports, he writes for rebelgrove.com. Look at us. See? We can get along. Well, goodbye, job. Yeah. Goodbye, y'all. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. It was fun. Appreciate it. Anytime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.